This is the Z-Code Sports Betting Podcast. Are you struggling to find success betting sports? Tired of empty promises and scams handicapping services? Wondering why Vegas sports books become richer and richer and how you could win on sports too? This podcast is what the sports investing industry truly needs. An insider look into proven successful strategies. Z-Code Podcast is your crash course in sports investing that destroys popular misconceptions and provides invaluable sports prediction analysis tools that you can download for free. We outline insider winning systems from experts that make a living through sports investing and explain how you can do it too. Armed with the best tools in the industry and a proper mindset, sustaining profits is easier than ever before. Welcome to Z-Code Podcast. Hi, Roberto. Great to have you on the podcast. And before we kick off, how have you been? Hey, Jake. How's it going, mate? Uh, nice to meet you. Yeah, I'm be, I'm, I've been good. What about you? Uh, good myself as well. <laughs> nice. Nice yeah. to, um, you know, it took us a while to organize this podcast, but yeah, here we are finally. Uh, so, so thank you for making making the time to do it. it no, was, thank you uh, for inviting me. It's an honor. It's an honor to be here. So could you let us know where you're from and where did you grow up? I'm from I'm from Mexico. I was born in Mexico City, and I was raised in a city called um, Aguascalientes. It's in the middle of the country. It's like a small city compared to other cities in Mexico. And uh, yeah, I grew up there. And um, by the time I was 18, I left Mexico. I went to New Zealand. Then uh, I went to the U.S. I came back to Mexico. Um, I was in the U.K. for a little bit. So yeah, that's a bit of uh, where I've been. <laughs> All right, you've been around. <laughs> Yeah, I like to travel, man. I like to travel. It's good to know. Is, is it work-related rela- or you just wanted to uh, experience different countries? Yeah, just uh, experience, basically. Um, every time I, I go to a new country, I do something different. So, yeah, basically the first time I went to uh, New Zealand, I went as a backpacker. And mm-hmm. I was there for two and a half years just backpacking, working, you know, whatever, uh, cleaning bathrooms, uh, uh, working in concrete, the restaurants, farms, whatever I could get my hands into. <laughs> All right, so moving on to the important question, I guess you got a lot of experience from all of these different countries. How did you get into betting? How did I get it? Oh, that's a great question, man. <laughs> that is a really good question. Um, I was back in, back in 2015, when I was in New Zealand, I had a friend, Stuart, he was from Scotland, uh, we were living in the same hostel by the t- by then, and then um, he st- he used to play uh, poker on Poker Stars, I think it was, like poker online. Yeah. Um, always at the living room, you know, so everybody would be chilling, you know, making dinner, uh, you know, I don't know, having a cigarette outside, a couple of beers, whatever, and he would just be in the living room just playing poker. And um, so I started playing poker as well, like you know, I was like, oh, that looks pretty interesting, you know, I've always liked cards, always liked poker and all of those games, so I started playing. And then I was playing poker maybe for like a month, and on the same bookie, the same casino that I was using, um, I saw a, a tab that said um, sports, and I was like, okay, what is this? I mean, I knew there was like sports betting, but I never really did it before. When I used to do it, it was back, I don't know, at the casino, you know, like place a bet on the one of the machines, you know, go, go with your friends, I don't know, something like that. And then I saw that tab, and I remember my first match I played was... Um, I don't remember exactly who it was, but it was Nadal 
playing against someone on a semi-final and um, I actually lost that bet. <laughs> but uh, I got hooked on, you know, because I love sports. So, um, yeah, that's how I started betting pretty much. Um, and, and then Stuart started betting on sports as well because he was a fan as well. So that's how, that's how I started. My question is, was he winning in poker or just... Yeah, I think he's pretty good at poker. I think he still does that. And yeah, he plays poker every day and he was winning poker. I wasn't. Um, you know, I wasn't. That's why I changed to sports. <laughs> but yeah, he, he was. All right, cool. Yeah, so it's, um, you started in, in New Zealand and then did you carry on betting when you moved around? Obviously, the, each country is different with regulations and um, the way it operates and how free it is to bet like for example yeah. UK is pretty great for that because you, you have a great freedom but yeah, yeah. that's also being restricted betting, more and more there's a book here every like uh, 15 meters in the UK you know you got uh, all of the books true. there in the street you got Coral and all of those ones yeah those are <laughs> terrible bookmakers but yes they 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 are everywhere and you you yeah. walk in and you can you can bet on anything it's pretty much like yeah. a mini casino it's yeah I've been there I was in Russia like two years ago and yeah there, I went into uh into a Coral store and yeah, you, they had like, I don't know, like 15 slots machines and they had like the book and all that and my girlfriend, she was going shopping and I was like, oh, you know what, I might stay here for a little bit <laughs> and I did, that's how I met the casinos in the UK, but yeah, um, about going back to the question, uh, yeah, when I, when I first um, started betting in 2015, um, I think, I don't know, it must have been like somewhere around September or around there and I found Seacode pretty pretty soon you know like pretty like I remember I was betting for like maybe like a month or two and then I found out Seacode I don't really recall how I how I found out about it probably looking about you know like sports tips or or something like that it probably pop out on Google and um, so yeah that's how I, I, I started with Seacode you know two three months after I started and you know getting into the community using all of the tools over there and uh when i moved um from new zealand i went back to mexico for a little bit and in mexico the the, the like the sports gambling and all that is super free as well like it's really really easy to like there's no regulations we have a lot of casinos all of the all of the football teams have like a, a casino sp sponsoring them you know like when you're watching the football uh, the comment, the commentaries, I think, are the commentaries, you know, the, the people, that are the, the, the narrators, <laughs> them, they, they always like announcing like, like if you bet uh, 200 pesos on uh, this team at the end of the match, if they win, you can get up to this much, you know, on this casino, blah, blah. So it's super free over here. Um, so I, I continued when I came back, I continued doing like betting um, over here as well. And then um, from Mexico, I went to the U.S. And when I was in the U.S., it was a bit different because I was in Texas. And Texas has a pretty tight up uh, regulation against betting. So what I was doing, I was uh, using my Mexican accounts uh, with my Mexican sports books. I was using a VPN. So I would appear I was in Mexico. Um, so I was doing it that way. But... When I was in the U.S., I wasn't really doing it that much because when I went to to Texas, it was because I was offered a very good job uh, managing a company in Austin. So I really didn't have any time. I was, I don't know, uh, working uh, 12, 13, 14 hours a day every day for like, you know, straight weeks and months. So I didn't really have much time. So it was kind of like a bit of a, a rest for me from this 
from the from the investing and sports investment um, you know uh, market and uh, yeah when I went from Texas I came back to Mexico kept on doing it you know as soon as I touched Mexican flora and Mexican soil I started doing it again and then I went to the UK in the UK it was also pretty easy um, like I said I just walked into like you know I went to town with my girlfriend walked into a bookie and um, or you could also do it online um, and then yeah right now I'm back in Mexico um, I'm living in a place called Merida, which is at the bottom of at the south of Mexico. It's a uh, border with uh, with Central America, and uh, yeah, over here is pretty sweet. Uh, I mean, it's still Mexico, so I got no 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 problems doing it over here. So yeah, I've been doing it for a while, on and off, more on than off, but yeah, <laughs> that's, that's pretty good much. To hear. Yeah, me- Mexico. Also, I was gonna mention that Zico has a very big Mexican community. Oh, Mexican side of the, the community. There's a lot of members coming from from Mexico. I guess it's due to their promotional reasons as well. But but yeah, you're definitely uh, amongst one of amongst uh, many members in the community from Mexico. Yeah, there's a lot of Mexican members. Um, you know, um, I posted the other day um, something about oh, I posted about being you know the challenger of Aguascalientes that is being played right now. Mm-hmm. I posted that that challenger was being played in my hometown and that I trained at the club that it was being played for like, you know, like 10 years or something. Oh. And yeah, and somebody else commented like, oh, I didn't know you were from Mexico. I am from Mexico too. And then um, Igor as well, he also commented like, oh, I'm from Mexico too as well. And then I know Ari uh, lives in Cancun. Uh, so yeah, I know there's a few Mexican people in, in Seco. So yeah, that's great. So entering tennis because you already mentioned it so I, I really need to go into it now what was the journey into the sport how have you played tennis yourself or you just accidentally stumbled upon it and got really interested <laughs> um yeah i when i was i've been playing tennis since i was little you know i think i started when i was like about five or six years old uh my dad he was a, a tennis player as well in his in his youth he he played a few a few tournaments in the U.S. and around, and uh, he didn't really have an opportunity because um, his dad didn't really support him, mm-hmm. and he didn't really speak English. So what my dad wanted to do with me, and I'm very grateful about that, was uh, uh, he grew he I grew up um, knowing English like he 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 put me into a bilingual school, so I grew up like with English, and he also fully supported my. All of my decisions, basically, not just like the tennis one, everything. Um, and he, so yeah, he he got me into tennis when we were like five when I was like five years old. Uh, we started, you know, playing in the courts in the club and you know throwing me a few a few balls and all that. And yeah, I kept on playing tennis. And I remember I was also playing football um, until maybe when I was like ten years old. My dad told me like, okay, I know you love both sports. Um, which sport do you want to focus on? You know, like. Do you want to be a football player or do you want to be a tennis player, you know? Mm-hmm. And I decided to go for tennis. So, I mean, he was, uh, he also loves football, you know, but he was like, um, he loved that. Um, my whole family loves tennis, by the way, like my grandpa, my mom, my sister, my sister played tennis as well, like all of my uncles. And so it's, tennis has always been like a big part of our family. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I chose tennis and then I started playing tennis, you know, um, training I don't know, two, three hours a day at the at the club. I don't know wow. how it's in the UK, but in Mexico we have this uh, 
like a sports club kind of thing like you got like a swimming pool you got gym you know you, you got chilling areas you got like a restaurant you got tennis courts football courts like basketball all of that you pay like a monthly fee and then you can join and use all of the facilities you know and um so we were members of one of those and yeah i used to play tennis i was there for like i don't know playing two hours a day until maybe when i was like about 14 you know i was playing tournaments as well like traveling all over mexico uh you know playing nationals uh when i was 14 i went to i went to the u.s i was in an academy in the u.s for about six months um then i came back i was playing tennis when i was about 16 i decided to quit which is probably my biggest regret of my life like oh. one of one of the biggest ones yeah because I don't know, I think I was so fed up with like playing so much throughout all my life, and I wanted to experience other things, you know. Because I was always I was always training, always traveling, always playing. Uh, really didn't have like that uh, party with friends, going out to like dinner with like someone, like a, like a, you know, like going out to the movies with my friends. I was always out and stuff like that. I mean, I used to do it, but I wasn't, you know, always taking care of myself. And uh, when I was 16, I decided to quit for a little bit. I quit for maybe about maybe a year. And, you know, when, when, that was when I was around 15. Yeah, around 15. When I was like 16, I was like, what am I doing? You know, like, I love tennis. I want to come back. Uh, so I came back. And the reason I regret it so much, it was because when I was 15, I was playing really, really good level. And when I came back on, when I was, I don't know, a year and a half later, people that I used to beat really easily, you know, like maybe like 6-2, or something like that, were playing unbelievable. Because I guess when you're free from 15 to 17 to 18, that's when you do like the jump from being like a, a teenage to like a, you know, like transition to like a, a, a man, you know, like to a, a, yeah, so like, you know, like uh, the, the, the physical abilities, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the mentality, you know, like people, like I remember one friend uh, when he was 15, he was a meter and 57 centimeters. And when he was 16, he was like 190, you know, like what, <laughs> I don't know what, yeah. So you have all of that difference and I, I quit. All of those, these people that used to be really easy or at least fairly easy or we used to have like a good match were playing like amazing, you know? So it mm. took me a, a bit to like came back to that level and like kind of like catch up with them. Um, by the time I was around maybe 17, I was training in, I was uh, training in this tennis academy called uh, Tennis Performance in Mexico, near Mexico City. I was there full time, you know, like I used to train from like wake up at 6 a.m. Well, it was wake up at 6 a.m. and have breakfast, you know, and then, yeah, from 6 to 7, yoga. And then from 7 to 10, it was a physical workout, you know, it could be like running, you know, like ex like foot, like feet exercise, uh, I don't know, bicycle, like stuff like that. And then from 10 to 12, it was tennis training from 12 to 1 swimming. And then from 1 to 2 rest from 2 to 3 eat uh, from 3 to 4 rest. And then from 5 to 7, it was again tennis from 7 to 8 physical the whole day it was just like tennis, you know, breathe, sleep, and <laughs> do tennis and repeat, you know. And I was loving it. I was playing really, really good. Um, also, I was very lucky back then because when I arrived to that tennis academy, um, all of the like high performance players that were there, 
they were on a tour, you know, like I arrived and then maybe like two or three weeks later, they went for like a two or three month tour around uh, South America playing ITFs and all that. And I stayed because I was just like coming back, you know. So I stayed in the academy with like six coaches for just myself. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, so it was in incredible, you know. Like, and I was there for a while. I was there for maybe like about a year. And I didn't, I knew playing professional was a bit far, you know, because I was already 18 and I was just like barely coming back into, well, like starting to play good again, you know, like to a proper level. And so my new goal was uh, college. I wanted to play college. You know, I was uh, I wanted to be in Division One in in the U.S. That's what I wanted to do. You know, and um, when I was about 18, I played this tournament called uh, College Prospects, mm -hmm. uh, which is I don't know if it's still going on, but it was it was amazing. That tournament was so good because what it did was that it was like uh, they organized a. a tennis tournament and a lot a lot of tennis coaches from the US used to come on to to the tournament just to see you play you know and it didn't really matter if you win or like if you won or you lost as long as they saw something on you they could call you and like give you know give you like a like a like an offer or or you know like stuff like that so um when i was oh wait before this maybe like um 3 months before or 2 months before in the tennis academy we the tennis the head tennis coach over there he is someone that has been involved in tennis all his life and he knows people from all over the world you know he's been to to uh, us open uh, as a coach you know he's been to like a, a lot of places as a coach so he knows a lot of people so we always used to host like a tennis group from other country you know sometimes it was uh Switzerland, sometimes it was Sweden, and I don't know, like maybe like six, seven, eight Swedish people came to the tennis academy and trained with us for, I don't know, two, three months, and then they went on a tour. So when we were there, the, he brought a guy from Czech Republic. He was, I think he was about 15 years old, you know, and he was very, very small. I mean, he was like, you know, Czech people are really tall. He was maybe like 155, 160, something like that. You know, he was still like a kid. He was he, he didn't did like that uh, transition that we were talking about. But he was so good at this game, man. Like he was so good at tennis back then. Um, I don't really remember this his name, so I don't know if he's still playing. But he was on a really really high level. You know, I was like 17 or 18. He came to train with us, and he used to hit the ball kind of like Nadal. Like, obviously not like that, but, like, he used to put a lot of um, top spin into the ball, you know? Yeah. Um, and what I was doing, it was... Um, uh, I was hitting the ball behind me. You know how you're supposed to, to hit the ball in front of you, you know? Yeah. Uh, I was hitting it exactly at the same height as my hips, like, you know, at the same level, or maybe a tiny bit before. And what that did to me is because trying to compensate that hitting it at that uh, point my elbow was moving top like a like up, upwards and my shoulder was getting like a lot of um, work on it you know what i mean like it was being really worked out because it wasn't a natural movement and yeah. i was doing it unconsciously you know because it was just like um, the way my body was telling me like like helping me out with the with the movement you know um so he was training with us for a few months and i started getting like a small um uh, discomfort on my shoulder 
but it only happened when I trained, you know, um, and I like the physicians over there and all that. They, they told me like, oh, it's probably just, you know, it's probably just super tired. You've been training a lot. Uh, like, and it only hurts when you're like playing, maybe like, you know, it's not when you're not moving. So like maybe just just take care of it, you know, put some ice afterwards, blah, 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 do exercise and all that. And it started becoming a, a bit a bit more annoying, like every week and so. Um, and when I was playing this tournament, it was back in December. I remember it was December 2016, 2014, December 2014, um, the college prospects one. Um, I was playing that tournament. I think I made it to the semifinals. I didn't do that bad at um, that tournament. Um, and on the semifinals, um, in one of the one of the balls that I hit, I hit I I my my shoulder was hurting. You know, it was hurting all the time. I I was actually gonna take a rest after that tournament, like maybe like two weeks or something, to like kind of like let it rest because, like, I thought it was just like tired. You know, um, and in that tournament, I felt like a little crack on my shoulder. Um, and that, yeah, it was horrible, man. Like, I, I felt the crack. I finished the, I think we were on the second set or something. Like, I finished the game. Um, I pretty much threw it because I really couldn't do it with the pain, but um, I didn't retire. And then um, I actually got a few offers from college that day. When I went back to the academy, I was like, you know what? Like, I really can't stand the pain. You know, it's too much. Now it's not just hurting when I'm playing, now it's hurting all the time. Like, even when I'm sleeping, it was hurting. So, you know, that's when I was like, okay, this is not normal. So I went to the physician. I, they did like a, like a ultrasound on my, on my shoulder. And what happened was that my bone, um, the nerve separated it from the bone. So it like split from the bone. The ligament, and, right. Yeah. Yeah, and it took like a two millimeter uh, piece of bone with it. So what that was doing, it was that that bone, it was like a little, um, like a little needle. And it was just poking me on the nerve all the time, you know, because it was like positioned in such a way that it was like pointing to the nerve. Every time I moved my shoulder, it was just that, that little like, you know, needle going through my nerves. Yeah. So the, the doctor, she gave me she gave me two options. She was like, you know what, you can you can either like uh, go into surgery. Uh, and there's like a 70 percent chance you'll be 100 percent recovered. And there's a 30% chance that you will never fully recover, you know? Or what you can do is you can wait three months without moving the arm and then another three months of recovery. And then you like, I guarantee you, you'll be fully recovered. Um, so it was a really tough decision for me to take because uh, if you want to play division one in college, um, I don't know if it's still like that, but back then it was, uh, you couldn't be um, without the studying for more than six months. So if you finish like high school, uh, over here in Mexico, you like you finish high school and then you go to university, you know. Um, so you finish high. I finished high school because in what I was in this tennis academy, I finished high school faster or quicker than everyone from the same year because I was doing like a like super quick uh, school thing. You know what I mean? Um, which it was meant for like athletes or meant for like single moms that didn't finish school or for like working people like you know so it's like a quick version of school where you like study and then you get like a test and if you pass the test you pass the the subject so that's what I was doing so I finished school and then six months this happened so I was like okay you know what um, if I take the surgery I might not fully recover and if I stop playing tennis now the, my chance of going into college division one is gone because it'll be more than six months without me playing 
without me studying, you know, and that's like, you can't do that. So I was like, okay, so it was a really tough decision for me to take, but I decided to um, quit tennis for um, then. And that's when I grabbed my bag, uh, my backpack, and I, I bought a ticket to New Zealand and I, <laughs> I took the plane and I arrived to New Zealand with a hundred dollars and, and see what the wind take me. <laughs> so yeah, that's, that's my story with tennis, but I've always loved it. I've always watched it, even when I quit playing, you know, um, when I say I quit playing, I mean, I quit like training and all that, but I, I still play like, like now and then. Um, with my dad, my dad, he, he still plays very good. So when I'm back, uh, when I'm back home, we, we make sure we play once or twice a week. And I, every time I have a chance, I play. But yeah, I stopped training. Uh, my possibilities for going to college, they disappeared because I actually rejected a few college um, applications because when I play this college prospect uh, tournament, I got like a few, you know, college um, scholarships and my coach back then, he told me, oh, don't accept them. We can get better schools, you know, like you're playing really good, like we can, we can get you better schools, you know, but that was before the, the, the show that happened. So, so I declined those, like, thank you very much, but <laughs> I will uh, not be pursuing these ones, you know, and then I, this happened and I was like, damn it, man, I should have taken them and then had surgery in, in, in college and then, I, I don't know, be out for a year or whatever and then start on my second year, you know, mm. but uh, yeah, whatever, I mean, uh, everything happens for a reason. And uh, yeah, after I quit and I went to New Zealand, um, I mean, I still watch all of like all of the well, not all of them, but you know, most of tennis. You know, like uh, watch all of the like tournaments, follow the rankings, and then I started with like the betting C code, so I got more into it and all that. But yeah, that's pretty much my my story with with tennis. Wow, it's sort of uh, you presented the whole story of 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 you know a, a typical athlete and what they have to go through is it. It's funny that people just say like you know football players for example all they all they do is just like you know run around and kick a ball but yeah don't really think about the what what happens in the background how much preparation how much exercise the yeah, dedication man. required and you know the mindset the <laughs> to, to stay focused is one thing uh, and to to be physically capable is another so it's it's really yeah, unfortunate about the uh, it's unfortunate about the injury, but as you said, it's just something to look forward to always. And you know, you yeah, are in a position that there's something that will come your way. And yeah, maybe on the bright side, uh, I'm fully recovered. <laughs> That's good to know. Yeah. <laughs> so so let's talk about betting. Um, Tell me about this tennis system that you're you're doing right now because it's uh, it's quite interesting. Yeah, it's been uh, it's been a hit. Eh? I I loved it, man. I I think we did a lot of money uh, on the on the on the dry surface season. You know, um, it's been it's been a hit. Eh? Um, I think we did a lot of money um, on the clay season. I mean, on the clay season, on the hard surface season. Well, on the on the month that we we started it, um, the system, I think it came out. I don't know. It came out really. I never used to do progressions. You know, I thought progressions were um, a really high risk, low low reward um, kind of system. You know, because um, I don't know if you lose two deep bets in a in a row, then you're down. I don't know what thirty forty units, depending on like the odds. So that for me, for me, wasn't worth to like, you know, like invest maybe like 10 units in order to get um, 
I don't know, 0.90 or something, or like maybe one unit back. Mm -hmm. So I never really focus on progressions. The only progression that I used to do, uh, you probably remember him. His name was Mo, M-O. He was yeah. back in 2015, 2016. He used to play um, NBA quarters. Do you remember him? Uh, I do remember him, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I don't know what happened to him, man. He was so good, man. Yeah, I used to follow him as well. Um, back then, you know, back in the day, I remember... Um, I, I still think that's one of the best systems there is, you know, putting on a on a on an NBA team to win a quarter. Um, so yeah, I never really used to do progressions apart from that one, and I was uh, just fooling around with my bookie. I went to Mexico City like two months ago. You know, I was in Mexico City visiting my grandparents, um, and I was just fooling around with my bookie, and I was I found out this. Uh, bet three six five had this option that said um, win to zero uh, fifteen, win to zero fifteen thirty, or none of those. So you have four options in there. You got the to win to zero and to fifteen, and then you got the to not win to zero and to not win to fifteen. So any other outcome, and then you got the other one, which is to win zero uh, to fifteen and to thirty, and uh, none of those none of those outcomes. You know. Uh -huh. And I was doing the to win zero, fifteen, and thirty, you know, to hold that. And it was paying, I don't know, maybe at one fifty-seven, one sixty. And I wasn't really hitting them, you know. I was, I think, I lost. I don't know. I'm one of sounds like a trap to me. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was saying. Like, I think I must have lost, like, I don't know, like fifteen or twenty units, like, you know, doing that. Uh, but I was watching the games and all that, and I. I Pretty much I was doing it just for fun back then, kind of like for research. Like I was like, what can I do with tennis? Because you cannot really bet on who's going to win anymore. I think it's really unpredictable now. All of these new tennis players, all of the high level that has been played, it really makes it like really unpredictable for the odds that you get, I think. Um, and then I was doing like, okay, what can I do with this? You know, and I was just fooling around with that, fooling around with like other type of bets. And then I realized, I was like, I mean, I played tennis all my life, so and, and I watched the, the, the games, you know, and I was like, I know they hold to 0, to 15, and to 30. Like, I know that happens a lot. And I was like, why am I not hitting these bets, you know? Like, why am I being so unlucky that the time I place the bet is the only game in, like, six games that they don't do that, you know? They one of two games. So I started, like, uh, actually looking, you know, I, I, like... I was I was looking, but I wasn't looking. Like I started like actually like putting attention into what was happening and why that was happening. And then I realized that um, uh, every time that I I just I, I play roulette a lot as well. And okay, this is going a bit of conversation with Canados. I play roulette as well, and I do like the martingale system kind of thing. Uh, but I always wait um, a couple of times for the system not to hit for me to place the A bet. Because it gives me, for me, it gives me more assurance that, okay, if it didn't, if it didn't hit those two times, I'll be placing the C bet, but instead of the C bet, is the, e uh, the A bet, you know what I mean? So I always wait like a couple to be more assured. So I was like, okay, why don't I do apply that into the tennis, you know? So I started looking and then I realized that when, when the play that is serving, it could be the, the underdog or the favorite, they don't hold to 15 or to zero for two or three games in a row. They normally do after that, you know, because tennis, it's always, 
it's it's always about highs and lows, you know. You cannot keep playing the same good amount, like good level of tennis all the all the game. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you'll be playing really good for four, three, like three games, but then you need to take a little bit of a breath, you know, and in you you miss a few balls on, and then you continue. You know, it's like highs and lows. So it does. I think that's the reason that it. Um, Djokovic, Nadal, and Roger and Murray are the the best tennis in in history, in my opinion, because they have that. You know, they can continue with that level at all times, um, and even raise it on difficult situations. But um, yeah, what I was doing, I was like, so you know, um, I knew that was gonna happen, so I started looking, and then I started realizing that it, it worked. You know, and especially on hard surface, which um, you know the the ball runs faster. Um, it's it's uh, it's a faster game pace, you know, uh, than clay. Is is it takes longer? Um, so I knew it was good. It was a good option. So I started looking into it, and then I started realizing that they were holding the serves to zero and to fifteen after a few a few times they didn't, and the odds for it were phenomenal. You know, like we were getting odds uh, from two twenty to like four four fifty. Um, so I think that was I don't know. I think I, uh, it was like a gold mine because. Um, when I started doing it, I was, I mean, I did like a few backup tests, you know, like getting a few matches um, on on history, you know, I opened like Flashcore or whatever, and then I look into tournaments and then just click a random match and then try not to compare if he would have cashed on that like certain like random match, you know, like not like a selected one. And it did. Okay. So... I, I I started doing it with real money, and I mean, by the time I posted the system, I think I was like 13-0 or something, and I think it was worth it, because 13 wins at odds like this are like, I don't know, like plus 15 units or something like that, you know, like, so, <laughs> or more. So it was really good, and the progressions are also really good, because if you lose a debit at odds of 3, oh, the good thing about the system as well is like the odds move as well. So every time you don't cash, the odds kind of like go up a little bit, so that makes the progression even a bit better because like you need to bet less money so for example if you got the first one a bet that uh i don't know at three the next one is probably going to be at 325 you know and then maybe again 325 and then maybe 350 so it keeps going up so it, it's good so i started doing that and i started noticing that it was cashing and it was really good bet so i decided to post it and you know let the community add um, stuff into it you know which book is allowed this type of bets or what other types of bets can you do on the same system um, for example, I remember Cliff. Cliff, he posted on my on my forum that um, he was playing under four point five games. You know, that's a forty zero. <laughs> that's a forty to love game. It's a. It's really yeah. It's like uh, highly unlikely. I mean, you know, but he was cashing them. You know, he catch a few bets at six fifty or something like that. So I mean, it was good, and it's something different that nobody. I never seen anyone done anything like this before. And I don't know, I'm really happy that I've been able to like give back to the community a little bit from everything that I've learned throughout the years and all of the tips and all of the, the great, uh, you know, players that I followed and all the money that they made me won and all of that is a little bit to like give back to the community and hopefully this this system can keep being profitable throughout the years, you know, like we're still, we're still testing the clay season. Uh, we have the grass season. I'm pretty sure the grass season is going to be sweet because it's even faster than the than the hard surface. So, so uh, which is after the clay season. So I'm looking forward for that. You know, uh, Halle, Wimbledon, all of those uh, tournaments over there, Queens. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward for those ones. I'm pretty sure it's going to work over there. 
because you know Wimbledon is famous for serve and volley, you know, <laughs> and that's like yeah. the, the thing. So uh, right now we're testing the clay season. Um, like you said, the clay season is is uh, you you get more 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 playing time. You know, there are more balls being hit. Uh, the the serves go slower. Um, the players arrive. Um, they have more time to arrive the ball, and they also have. Uh, it's easier for them to arrive to a ball when you slide, you know, through the clay and all that. So mm. uh, there are more points being played, so that makes the the system not the most suitable so far. But um, I mean, we're still testing it, and it's only been uh, out for a month and a half, two months, something like that. And yeah, we're just testing this clay season, trying to do some changes to it, and yeah, see. Let's see what what happens. <laughs> yeah, the clay season has only been uh, around Two for weeks. about a month. Yeah, yeah, three weeks. Even. Yeah, something exactly. like that. So, <laughs> we just had what the Monaco tournament, which is always a very exciting one, I think, um, and always a different person wins. That's one of the things. Well, at least the last few years, uh, I remember when Pavrinka won it. That was my favorite player. So I always go back to the moments when he has won tournaments. <laughs> Um, yeah. Um, I wanted I wanted to ask you, um, what happened to you, Jake? You're not betting anymore. You're not posting anything. I uh, just uh, started focusing on other stuff, uh, other than it, it requires a lot of dedication and much like being a sports person like yourself, <laughs> you have to uh, you know dedicate a lot of time and it becomes part of your daily routine to out bets and you have to remember to, to track everything it's it's all a lot of a lot of work so i always, I, uh, I think it's a lot of it, stress as well it is uh, yeah it, i think it's a really stressful line of work you know because always uh your team is always down for a little bit or they're winning for a little bit and you're like oh they're winning they're losing they're winning they're losing you know so it's really stressful you're always going to be checking the score so <laughs> yeah but i mean we love it so yeah, sorry for interrupting you. I was, uh, uh, I was wondering uh, about you because right. I haven't seen you in the wall for a while, you know. Um, <laughs> uh, in, in terms of the sport itself, how do you see the, the latest movement in the top 10? You know, Novak, Djokovic, Nadal, they're both getting quite old at this stage. I mean, yeah. Federer is kind of out of the game, but he's still around. But yeah. It's very interesting, those next-gen players, which are, you know, 20-something years old already, 25, 27, like Dominic Team, Zverev, uh, Medvedev, they're all quite young, but they're not so young. Well, Yeah, not as young as Nadal and Djokovic and Roger were when they were doing what they're doing, no? Exactly, yeah. It's yeah. How, how do you see this, this movement? Or do you see any of the, the younger guys pushing through as well that you, you may see them compete with, you know, the, the current top 10? Um, yeah, I mean, I like that the top 10 is moving quite a bit now, you know what I mean? Because, I mean, we used to, for the past two decades, of just looking at Roger, Djokovic, Nadal, you know, Ferrer, Murray, uh, on those top 10, I mean, on those top 3, top 4, you know, they were always there, always, always, you know? Um, which was great, you know, I mean, it's, I think we were alive to see the best the best tennis in history, you know, the, so far, uh, and the best tennis player so far. Um, going back to your first question about Nadal and Djokovic getting old and Roger being out of the game, yeah, I think they still got a few games, a few years on. I think they still have a few years remaining. Um, 
I think Nadal is playing really, really good. I mean, he had a little bit of a setback with that uh, uh, rib thing he had the, with a little bit of a fracture on the rib. Uh, but he's he's back to training. Um, Djokovic, he's taking a little bit to get uh, he, his tennis, his timing back. Eh? He, like his last past three or four matches have been to three sets, and he's been really close to lose. But I think um, he'll get back into his level. I mean, Djokovic is probably the best tennis. In my opinion, he's probably one of the best tennis players, like, in history. Like, even maybe... It's because you can't compare them, you know? Like, they all have achieved different things. Like, they're just the three pray, the great ones, you know? Like, Roger has achieved, um, I don't know, 107, 104, you know, tournaments won, uh, and 20 Grand Slams. And then Nadal has achieved 21 Grand Slams and, you know, like, how many matches without losing on clay? I don't know, like, 100 zero. Yeah, it was crazy. And then he lost to probably one of the most... It, it was it's one of the insane. most unexpected uh, losses, I would say, <laughs> on clay. Yeah, against... Uh, yeah, against... Who was it? Was it against Korea or...? Uh, Who did he lose against clay that it was, like, yeah, completely unexpected? And nobody, nobody thought about it. Well, anyways, he was someone really, someone that you didn't expect him to lose against, you know? Yeah, his, his record was like 62 to 8. Oh. Yeah. And then that's the, like, his record, but then he started again, you know? And then maybe his next record was 21-1, <laughs> and then the next one 32-3 or something like that, you know? Like, he just keeps on going. <laughs> and... Um, yeah, and uh, you know he's won a lot of matches in clay. He's so many Grand Slams, and then you got Djokovic, which he's the longest tennis player as a number one in history, I believe. I think he's been so many. I don't know how many weeks he's number one. Um, so you really can't compare them because they all been amazing. They're all great. They're all you know out of this world. And um, I remember one time in the in the Mexican Open. Um, me and my family like to go there. Ferrer, the, David Ferrer, he was playing. I think he won. I think when he was giving that interview, he won that that, that tournament. Mm-hmm. And at the end, they asked him. Uh, I don't know. I, I I really can't remember what they asked him. What I what I remember was the answer because he said like he said I am the number one of the world because the other three that are ahead of me they're from they're out of this world. You know, they're not from <laughs> they're not from Earth. So I am I am the number one human. But these guys are you know. <laughs> another galaxy <laughs> he was like the most consistent he, oh ball my hitter God. that guy was so consistent man. chasing like, every single ball his motto was get the ball back in the game you know <laughs> <laughs> that was yeah. how he, he used and breathed just oh my god he was such a warrior eh? he was like yeah. uh if you want to show it would come back warrior, he wouldn't come back with power or love topspin but no. the ball would always come back he would always chase every single ball which was incredible Loved him as well. Everything, man. He was such a warrior, man. If you want to show someone what a warrior is, you show them a clip of Ferrer. Yeah, insane. Like, and and also like really, he was in number four for what? Like five, six, seven years? Like insane. So long. <laughs> um. Oh, I don't know how many years, you know, but he was in number four for a long for a long time, and even number three for a while. Um. But yeah, going to the second question about how do I see the ranking moving. I I love it, man. I love that uh, a lot of tennis players are moving around and like uh, you see uh, new players getting on the top ten. Like uh, I don't know, Gerald Asim, 
Eh, Cameron Onori, uh, mm. Matteo Berrettini. I mean, he's been there for a little bit already, but like you know, still very young. Uh, Alcaraz. Well, what is what is going on with Alcaraz, man? Have you been tracking him? Yeah, magic. Eighteen year old. <laughs> Insane, <Magical>. man. He's <laughs> doing almost what Nadal and Djokovic and Roger were doing at the same age. True. Like he's, yeah, he's playing insane, man. Possibly uh, the most prominent from you know the Kasparud, yeah. Andrew Rublev, Felix Auger, Alassim, and yeah, Yannick Sinner group. Although Yannick Sinner is possibly like he, it would be Yannick his like Sinner biggest really biggest good. nemesis when it comes to yeah. these two. I think Yannick Sinner is still a bit inconsistent with his game. True. A little bit, you know, like he, he loses some matches that you're like, wait, what? Or like, you know, but like he's got everything to like be, I would say number one, like he plays amazing. Like, you know, he's got so much power on every on all of his hits, all of his, um, yeah, swings. But um, yeah, that's, I mean, I love it, you know, Hubert Kurkas, Taylor Fritz, Shapovalov, uh, 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 I don't know. I mean, I love that the ranking is moving so much and then... Uh, I don't know, top 50s, you're looking at people that you didn't used to see before, like, I don't know, like uh, Molkan Alex, Alex Molkan. He's uh, mm. number, I don't know, top 50, uh, you know, uh, this guy called uh, Bande Sanchul, Bande Sanchul, guy from Netherlands. Uh, uh, like Baltic, Van der Zatschul, yeah. Yeah, that one, yeah, 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 that one, yeah. Yeah, he's been playing amazing, man, I didn't know about him. <laughs> like until like three months ago, you know. <laughs> uh, so yeah, I love that the that the that the that the tour is getting more, more and more competitive. You know, there's every time there's more like a higher and a higher level. Um, you can't really compare the tennis from 2022 to the tennis from 1980, 1990 because everything you know, technology in regarding food, training, uh, you know, equipment, uh, all of the studies, everything like you know. It takes you to a higher and a higher level, so I think it's getting more and more competitive, and I'm loving all of this. I'm loving to see all of these new young players, you know, um, coming and like you know giving everything. Like, uh, yeah. So um, I mean, I love I love tennis. So <laughs> everything is just uh, yeah, it's good, man. I like it. I like it. Alright, cool. So just to wrap things up, are you working on any new systems right now? Um, yes, uh, I'm trying to make something suitable for for the RTP, RTP the Roby to Love Tennis Progression. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to do something different um, about that, maybe change it to like um, 30 or 40. I'm still like backtesting a few, a few other options. Um, and yeah, I'm working on a, I'm working on another system. Um, about with tennis as well, which is very similar to these ones because it's also a progression, but it comes, uh, it will be point betting. You know, you can bet on the point of um, a game, so you can bet on the first point, on the second point, on the third point, stuff like that. So I'm still researching which bookies can you do it or what are the most, like the better options that you can do and all that. So yeah, I'm working in a few things. Uh, hopefully I'll get out something, I don't know, throughout this before this month ends or something like that. <laughs> so you have different surfaces as well. So this is a really testing year for you, isn't it? To determine how, how the system performs on different. I think I, I feel like tennis changes every single month because it's 
different tournaments. They're moving around quite a lot. They go from America to to Europe, from Europe to Asia, and so on. It's quite unpredictable. Yeah. Like even when you have a tennis player who has won X amount of games in a row, and he's not Novak Djokovic, you you kind of expecting him to slip at some stage, and then you know it's 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 a sport where anyone can beat anyone. Uh, it's yeah. probably less more likely for that to happen than in the likes of football where I would say there's probably less upsets. Exactly, yeah. I think it's because in tennis it's a single man, a single player, you know, a single person game. Um, so, you know, if you woke up in a bad mood or, you know, something you ate yesterday didn't see you well, you know, it's all it's all about you. You know, it's, you are the one who's playing. You know, when you're on a on a football team or a baseball team, you know, you got the whole team. Even if one is not performing well, you know, mm -hmm. the whole team can carry. But over here, like you gotta do it yourself, man. <laughs> <laughs> so I think that makes it more predict more uh, unpredictable as well because yeah. um, you never know how that tennis player is feeling in particular. You know, maybe he doesn't cope well with. Uh, I don't know. You never know. You know, maybe he received a call yesterday that his mom was in the hospital. You don't know about yeah. that, man. He's probably feeling like crap, you know? <laughs> I, I love to check uh, tennis players' Instagrams and Twitters and stuff because sometimes they re reveal insane. information that, uh, yeah, exactly, inside information. <laughs> yeah. That's uh, when I was, I went to Vegas like 2017 and I was in a casino doing some, I was doing some research, some research for um, basketball games. I was going to play some bets over there. And I met this lady from... I can't remember really where, where she was from. She was a host from, um, I think it was a reality show called like Pancake TV or How to Make Pancakes. So it was like a reality show about making hotcakes, man. <laughs> and she was like the host of it. And she was betting as well, you know. And um, we kind of met because she told me something like, oh, have you finished use that pen or whatever? And I was like, oh, yeah. And we started talking. And it was quite interesting because, you know, for me, it's all about numbers, you know, everything that I see is just like uh, percentages, numbers, you know, average, all of that. And she didn't used to look at all of that. She used to look at, uh, at the forecast, whether, you know, at the players, um, like personal life, at the, you know, all of those things that I didn't look into. So for me, it was really interesting because I was like, okay, she's doing really good betting and she's doing... Like everything that she's researching has nothing to do with me. So like even if maybe I can like grab a little bit of what she does and like incorporate it to like what I do and maybe it'll be better. But yeah, it was quite interesting for me that she looked into. She told me about this um, baseball uh, picture that his dad just died and that last time he's like two years ago, his mom died and like he played really, really, really good. So he she was expecting him to play really good and all that. And I was like, OK, <laughs> you know. So, you know, everybody has their systems, their way, the way they like to do it and the way that it works for them. Well, yeah. <laughs> awesome, man. <laughs> well, we'll <laughs> end it here. We could probably talk for 10 hours because, you know, you, you've triggered that conversation about tennis <laughs> and I could sit here and talk to you about every single player. But <laughs> oh, me too, man. Me too. <laughs> I can sit here for hours, man. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully we uh, will have this discussion again at some stage and um, in yeah, the meantime sure. i wish you all the best with your tennis systems and thank you so much for the time and it's been great talking to you so thank you oh, so much thank, thank you for inviting <laughs> me jake nice meeting you man hope you we, we get to see you more often in in the wall i think everybody miss you mm. and uh yeah it's been a great honor to be invited to this um, podcast with all of the 
all of the great ones, you know, that you've been having in this in the same, um, I don't know, album. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, uh, I guess, yeah, yeah, we'll talk later, man, and yeah. have a good one. Take care. Go, Thank you very much. We'll keep on texting. Yeah. Okay, bye. <laughs> See you, man. Thank you. Thank you for listening to our Z Code Sports Betting Podcast, where insider systems, secrets, and tools are revealed to help you win on sports betting. If you have a comment or question, make sure to visit us at www.zcodesystem.com. Download our free sports prediction tools and join our VIP club to follow winning systems from people who make a living betting sports professionally. And don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. See you next time.